Hello, friends, and thanks for listening to a special edition of the Capital City Soccer Show. So we woke up this morning to a surprise press conference from Austin FC, and it turned out to be the uh, the announcement of the signing of their first player. So I am joined today by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Jeremiah, how's it going? Hey. Hey, we're doing great, everybody. This is Jeremiah Bentley. And this is also our first uh, event as official members of the press. So, or media, yeah. or whatever it is. We feel very important now. <laughs> we, are, no, we are very important now, Jeremiah. <laughs> we, it, we've been <laughs> recognized for being as important as we really are. How about that? <laughs> and we are also joined today by a Paraguayan football expert for Be In Sport, Mr. Roberto Rojas. So, Roberto, thanks so much for joining us today, man. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. So I saw that you've you've talked to Chris Bills today already from the Statesman, and then you said you you spoke to Jorge Chavez from uh, El Inmo de Austin too. So did you did you wake up today thinking that you were going to be an Austin soccer celebrity? No, I was expecting to fix my car on <laughs> engine, but now twelve hours later, I'm appearing on my this is my third podcast on Austin FC, and I'm suddenly now finding much more. Uh, appreciation about uh, El Verde now. I think that's one of the nicknames, right? Yeah, I, it's all still in flux. It's such a new thing that like none of the nicknames or like slang or any of the lingo has really like settled in yet. So that's I think that's one of the like kind of the newer ones is El Verde. So I kind of I kind of dig that. I hope that sticks. Yeah. But um, yeah, so we're here to talk about Rodney Redes, who is Austin FC's first signing. He's a 20-year-old Paraguayan forward. Uh, he's currently playing with Guarani. Um, and so, yeah, we kind of want to just talk to you since since you're familiar with Paraguayan soccer and with, with Rodney. So um, who is Rodney Redes? How would you describe his game? Well, Rodney Redes, I think, is a player that definitely has exploded onto the scene as one of the new, brightest gems of this new Paraguayan generation. Um, you know, just going back to a little bit of a history lesson, um, you know, Paraguay was a nation that made it to four straight World Cups from 1998 to 2010, and has since gone a decade since going to the World Cup. So, obviously, with Redes, alongside many other players, um, they're definitely the next... Uh, type of expectations and you know the, the new gems and like the hope for many different uh, Paraguayan football supporters to see their national team go back to their glory years that they had uh, in their golden generations but the Ronnie Red is I think you're really getting a player that is not just a forward I would say as you mentioned you know you know he could play as a midfielder he obviously he could play as a winger but uh you know I think he's very he's someone that is very fast more than anything. I think he's also very strong. And, you know, being at like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, you don't expect him to be that big. But you look at him and he, he's kind of bulked up in a way. Yeah, so. he's a he's pretty stout guy, it looks mm -hmm. like. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, you know, one of the people that I spoke to, it's like almost like a, I don't like to use this comparison, but like kind of like a Hulk type of player. I mean, that's, that's not the first thing I thought when I looked at him, just that like really big chest and really big upper body and yeah. kind of a short squat guy. But that, that's, that was the first thing I thought of was he looks like Hulk. <laughs> yeah. So that maybe would be the best comparison to use, but um, it's, it's actually funny. They actually in Paraguay, they nicknamed him the Paraguayan Mbappe. The oh, Mbappe. interesting. Yeah, so no pressure, no pressure, kid. Um, <laughs> um, but he, um, besides that, I think he's someone that is very intelligent. You know, he, 
besides being a, a player that likes to go that likes to go forward, you know, he likes to go back, track back as and help the defense, good at marking. I think he's really improved a lot over the last three years. You know, he made his debut in 2018. Um, ever since then, I think he scored 15 goals in 95 games or something along those lines in all competitions. So he's definitely experienced. And to have that many number of games at a young age is, is very good, um, especially over in Paraguay that likes to utilize yeah. youth a lot. But um, besides that, I think you really are getting a player that is definitely improved and is still improving. I think the one thing that really will be a bit of a, a mystery or at least something that could easily be improved is just his awareness onto goal. I think he's someone that likes to go and anticipate and obviously shoot onto goal. But there are times, and I've seen him as well, I think this this was more of a thing that happened in his first few years rather than this year where he's exploded more and, and done much more in the in the local league and then in the Copa Libertadores for what I need is that sometimes that you know when he goes on to goal you know you would think that he would be good enough to go and, and finish and square it off there and there but you know he sometimes he does like to make that pass to a player and, and that can be a bit fearful but obviously that could be fixed in any case but um yeah I think he's someone that is very I think it's a good signing, not just for Austin FC, but also for the league as well, is is to get someone that has that ambition. And I'm, I'm sure you saw the the way that uh, the coach Josh Wolf and Claudio Reyna talked about him, is that he's someone that is very disciplined. He comes from a a, a humble roots. Uh, he comes from humble roots from La Colmena, which is a rural area in the south of Paraguay. So, you know, he, he definitely has that kind of ambition. And he also said in the interview when he first joined that he's a player that is very you know, willing to give it all, give, give a hundred percent and to, you know, be something important. He knows the importance of not just being the first ever player, uh, in an Austin FC shirts, but the first ever professional player in an Austin, uh, professional team. So that, that's going to go a long way. And I'm sure the pressure will be there for him when he does come and then play for the team. But at the end of the day, you know, he's someone that is still improving. And I think given that what we've already seen in Paraguay, or at least the perception that's been made there of how he's had so many games under his belt, how he's already become so versatile in the way that he plays, I think it's a good first team. Um, it's a first good signing for Austin FC. And I think he's someone that can really help the team if he does obviously have the supporting cast necessary. And yeah, I think that's that's a good move for him. And again, Humble player, very disciplined, wants to win, shows that passion and drive. And I think that goes a long way when it comes to judging a player and how they do uh, when they go onto the pitch. So I watched um, I watched quite a bit of video of him this afternoon. And I, I've, I've heard seen him described as a winger, but he's not really – he's not like a traditional winger. He's not super dribbly. He's not really a great – I mean, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this because I've watched like – a handful of, of videos on Y Scout. Uh, but like not super dribbly, not really a great crosser, it doesn't seem like. Um it seems like his offensive play, it's it's his tendencies are more like a striker, like the way he moves. Would you agree with that? Um I would say yes, in a way. I don't think he is your traditional striker. Like yeah, he, I, not like an out and out number nine, yeah. but I think he, he leans if I had to describe him in a positional word, I would say forward, but second I would forward. second forward. I would yeah. Say. I think a second strike, which is like in general, like a forward, I would never say he's like an out and out winger, but yeah, 
I've seen him described like as a, it's kind of a 10, right? It's kind of a, like a, you know, a mix in there more. Yeah, but definitely not, definitely not like on the wing. Yeah, I, I think he is someone, as I had mentioned, I think he's someone that fortunately enough, he can play in various positions, not just as a winger, but, you know, he can play as a nine or a attacking midfielder or even as a midfielder if he needs to. Um, I think he's someone that, you know, as you said, you know, doesn't really like to dribble a lot, um, even though he has the fortune to do such a thing as we've seen in some of the goals that he scored this year in the Copa Libertadores. But um, yeah, I think that's, I personally think that he could work well as a winger. I, I think uh, to start, because that's where how uh, the coach um, Gustavo Costas and what is, is trying to play him where he's able to, and, and not just as a winger, but also shift back as a midfielder um, in their team. So yeah, I, I think if he, stays along that lines on the left side of the flank and then to to have that freedom to move around and, and track back when needed to. I think that's where you're going to get your best uh, Rodney Red is. But of course, you know, as you said, I think he's also good at playing as a, a, a media punta, as they say in Paraguay, is playing in the in the center attacking position. And and if, if so, if needed so, yeah, he could also play as a number nine. And I think Claudio Reina, I think he was the one that said it, that he kind of is like, a Joseph Martinez type of player, but also, you know, I think he could be a little bit like Miguel Miron. I think he's a bit different in the way that Miguel is more uh, faster, but Rodney's more stronger. So there are some similarities, but I think you still see uh, similar virtues between the two um, Paraguayans. Yeah. So going, we talking about, I, I was talking about some of maybe his weaknesses there, but some of his strengths, um, the things that I liked in what I saw in these videos that I that I was watching was his movement uh, within the box and on kind of breakaway uh, situations. I really liked the way he, uh, some of the runs he was making, he likes to try to run in behind the back line. And then if there's ever a ball out to the wing, making some of these, these runs into the box, he seems to have a really good knack for, for doing some of that kind of stuff. And then, like you mentioned, uh, his his work rate, there was a lot of moments where it, it was hard to tell in what I was watching, what exactly what position or like what formation the team was was playing. Maybe you can speak more to that. But in the defensive structure, he would shift out to kind of like a wide midfielder and drop back and seemed to have really good work rate and didn't mind tracking back and defending and kind of putting in a shift on the defensive end as well. Yeah, yeah, I think what I need have been playing in a four four two, if I'm not mistaken, um, with so, him on the like the wide right and then yeah, moving yeah. inside to attack whenever he needs to. Exactly, I think that's okay. that's the best thing to describe it. So yeah, I think, like I said, I think it's good to have a player like that that is so um, flexible in different positions. I think someone that obviously has that big work rate, and you know, I think you, you said it right there. I think he is someone that is a good combination of strength and speed. I think will will allow him to be more intelligent, whether if he's off the ball or on it. I think that will help him improve much more. You know, like I said, you know, he's still a player in development. I mean, twenty years old, you're not going to have your finished product. So, depending on how Josh Wolf will play him, I think if he's able to utilize his strengths that obviously make him the player that he is now, I think that will go a long way into see how successful he could be over there. One more thing that I really liked in the the few clips that I watched was um, his first touch when trapping specifically long balls. There are moments where they would break away and play a long ball over the top to him or a really hard ball through the middle. 
and either bringing it down with his chest or just like sticking a foot out and bringing down a long ball on the run. He seemed to have a, a pretty natural touch with that kind of stuff. So that's encouraging to see from such a young player as well. Um, so what would you say that he has a best position? Is there a position that you like to see him play in? Um, like I said, you know, and, and I'll reiterate, you know, I think a player like him to be in the position that he's in is, is very important um, that where he could play any position that he wants to on the attacking uh, front. I personally think he would be good as a winger because that way he could be able to, to, you know, break out to the defense and, and try to, you know, cut in deep and, and play balls if he needs to, to your striker or, or any other attackers. But at the same time, you know, you want him also, if needed to, to track back and, and kind of work um, with the defense. I think that's that's very important for someone. And to have that work rate where he's able to go forward or go back if needed to is, is very important. So I would say he's best as a winger and, and perhaps as a second forward. I think that's where I would see him at his best position. But... But yeah, if he's able to get that freedom on that left flank, I think that's where he's he will definitely be more successful. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. I mean, so Josh Wolf has never been a head coach before, but um, we've kind of been operating under the assumption that it's going to look a lot like a Greg Berhalter system, who was formerly with Columbus Crew and now with the United States men's national team. And Berhalter likes his wingers to to have a high work rate and to to put in a defensive shift. And so... If if he's anything like that, then that makes complete sense for what we think a wolf system is going to look like. Right, right. Um, I was gonna I was gonna ask a little bit about the league. Um, so like we because I think everybody in Austin has probably decided that they're going to become an expert in Paraguayan <laughs> soccer. So, I mean, one, can you give us a general idea, kind of about the level of play, and then also probably for everybody listening, like where where do we find it? Well, you're in luck uh, because of how the the country itself, you know, I don't want to go into a big COVID-19 situation, but, you know, Paraguay has one of the lowest cases in all of South America. It's not the lowest, I believe. I think it's second or third, but um, it's one of the lowest cases in all of the regions. So because of that, uh, they found that it's able to play safe uh, the the soccer over there. And thankfully, it will start again in two weeks. So you will oh, get wow. a chance to see uh Warren and, and all the other teams in action um it is a 12 team league so it's a 12 team yeah 12 team league so it's it's your standard um typically it's the standard apertura and clausura that we see in like in mexico and uh i think do it in ecuador if i'm not mistaken but same thing you know two seasons um one divide all divided between the, the calendar year um and then obviously you know you have your your super champion and whatnot at the end of the season, uh, your relegation is, is based on how your performances do in the last few seasons, which is similar to what they do in Argentina. And um, I think the best way to describe the Paraguayan league, um, I think it's a league that is very physical. I think it's very fast as well. I think it's kind of that atypical type of South American league that we see in like a Brazil or an Argentina that is very aggressive, very technical. Um, I think what makes it a bit different is because how Paraguayan teams, historically speaking, um, be it at club level or national team level, have been always hard to play against. Um, 
and consistent performances for the clubs in the competitions in the Libertadores or the Sudamericana have allowed them to become, you know, very strong. In the same could be said, the same could be said for the national team. So, I think um, it is a league that is very interesting. I think, unfortunately, it's a shame that, and you know, kind of makes sense given the low population that there is of Paraguayans, not just here in the United States but across the world with a country of like almost 7 million people is that there's not that much attention. But I think, um, I think that the, the, the hard question, the, the question to answer your question about how to see it, you better know some people in Paraguay, I guess, because that's the only way you're going to watch the league is that they have um, the official broadcaster called Tivo Sports. They will broadcast the games. But uh, the only way you have permission to watch it is that if you know a Paraguayan within an account, it's not like your typical. <laughs> you could, I'm sure you could find a stream or something. Come on, it's 2020. I'm sure you could find <laughs> it. But uh, if you want to go the more standard route of not having to deal with like a lag or, or crashing anything and like a zillion type of ads on your on your stream, best know a Paraguayan with a Tigo Sports account. <laughs> That's the best way to do it. But knowing Austin FC fans and knowing how these this this new age of social media and like this whole changing sport of globalization has has occurred i would not be surprised if we're already seeing uh, a lot of fans like, getting ready to follow the league when it starts in two weeks i interacted with a couple of people on on your twitter feed earlier today so i'll, I'll give a shout to some of those guys <laughs> <laughs> um so you said you mentioned like some of some people here following the league there do you think like what is what is Ronnie Redis's profile there in Paraguay? Is is he a, a, a really well known player, a popular player within the country or within the league? And do you think some of the people who follow Guarani and follow that league there will they start to pay attention to MLS or to to Austin FC because of this signing? Well, to answer your second question, I think um, thankfully what we've seen with the success of a Miguel Almiron. Uh, what he did at Atlanta United has opened a lot of attention to Paraguayans. I think because of what we saw with him and then obviously corresponding Paraguayans coming in, I think we have four Paraguayans now that are currently playing in MLS. Um, and obviously they're also national team players. So the importance of that and, and to follow the leagues and, you know, like I said, it's a, it's 2020. If you wanted to watch a game, just like pop up on a stream and you could find it or go on TV or something and watch it. So I'm sure the attention will always be there. I think in terms of Revis, I think he is definitely, as I mentioned before at the start, he's definitely a player that is very well received. And he comes from the humble background that I mentioned. And I think that's always one to relate to because as you may or may not know, Paraguay is typically a country that is not the poorest, but it is obviously very divided socially and economically. So when you look at players that come from humble background, you know, the traditional South American story where, you know, the, the player from the, the humble back poor backgrounds goes and makes it for the professional team and then, you know, becomes a, a star wherever they go. I think for Red is it's kind of a similar story of what we see a lot of Paraguayans do. So yeah, I think the attention will obviously be there. I think also because it is a new team, um, it allows, and kind of similar to what happened to Atlanta with Miguel, I think it's something that, you know, that they will have the back, um, they will have their um, their back to them. And hey, come on, when you have a, an owner of like Matthew McConaughey supporting, who are you not to, to go against them? I mean, it's, it's only right to, 
for them to follow it because of how well-received uh, Hollywood actors are over there. So, yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's something that will hopefully allow him to boost his profile. I think if, if he is successful and, and I do believe that even if he, before he kicks a ball for um, Austin FC, that we, he will get a call up to the national team. He hasn't been officially called to the senior team by coach Eduardo Berizzo, but I'm pretty sure that if he continues his form now and even into his Austin FC career, that he will get more chances. And again, that, that will also allow more eyeballs to be given to him. And, and now at the moment, making that move to MLS just opened a bunch of different eyeballs that maybe weren't just seen in, in Paraguay. So yeah, I think the, the perception of, of him is very positive, very highly positive because of the professional and disciplined type of person that he is. And that hopefully that when he does go into Austin FC and then perform well, uh, that it will allow for more Paraguayans to start watching MLS and, and start following him like they do for the other Paraguayans that they've, um, been following so regarding the the quality of play compared to mls do you feel like he's a player who will be able to step into this league fairly easily and start start playing competing immediately or do you think it will he'll he'll need some time to kind of settle in um you know i, I don't like making the comparisons to south american leagues to mls i think it's it'd be a bit unfair on both ends but, you know, I think what really stood out to me is that how when he gave his first interview when he was officially an Austin FC player is that how he much he's willing to give it his all and then to perform well for the team and, and help them win. So I personally think, and also given that he's had, what, like I said, 90 games under his belt, 15 goals, playing against competitive teams across the country and across the continent in numerous competitions, I think that in itself should be enough for him to, to say, okay, if I can do it in, in Paraguay or, or in a country like Brazil or Chile or Argentina or Colombia or something, then I can do it in MLS. And I think he, he definitely has that kind of mentality to, to perform well. I think also one of the big things as well is that, you know, it's a new team. Anything can happen. I mean, I'm not, obviously I can't make a bold prediction and say, oh, they're going to finish last next year or they go to an MLS cup. You know, you never know. So maybe that pressure isn't there. I think it's just, you know, new team, whatever happens, happens. Um, of course, depending on who they get uh, in the rest of the, the, the transfer window. But at the end of the day, it's, it's a new team. No pressure for now. And then obviously come next year and the following years, but yeah, then it's time to succeed. Even look at Atlanta, for example. You know, first year, even though they had maybe a bit more of, a, of an expectation because new stadium, the players, coach, et cetera, et cetera that you know they only made it to the first round or second round something like that conference semifinals in their first year and then go wins and wins mls cup the following year who's to say that that can't happen to austin fc you never know so i think for rodney i think he really just goes in there with performing as he did in paraguay and continues to do that in mls and just in itself i think as well it's like the city of austin he could can live perfectly fine and you know it's one of the most livable cities in the whole country so it's it's a different world leaving from asuncion to austin and yeah he could be at peace and maybe that's just not that much pressure on him where he's like okay let's see how i do it but i'm pretty sure he definitely knows in his in his mind that he can be the big professional that he is and and will go 100 percent into what he does um on the pitch 
Yeah, one of the things I thought was interesting that touches back to to when you talked about um, the league starting back up in a couple of weeks is Claudio multiple times during the interview, you know, mentioned the importance of building a roster around having people that are, you know, fresh and ready to go. And I thought that was, you know, I guess it's a point at his advantage. And maybe that, are there, are there other leagues? I mean, you, you talk about Paraguay being uh, better off than others in terms of COVID, but do you, do you see that as being a trend as far as player signings where you Maybe their 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 leagues are playing where they can look to more of those players, um, where they might not otherwise. Oh, absolutely, I think uh, you know as I think the Brazilian league is starting, but it's only their state championships. Um, believe if I'm not mistaken, if it, I think Colombia will be soon, but I have to double check. But no, I mean for Paraguay they have a plan, and I think that really values the importance um, for someone like Rodney. I think getting more consistent playing time from July until the end of the season, which is going to be in december so you know you have a couple months there where he can get better he can improve much more and that just allows him to you know come off fresh and ready for their next season um heading into the debut season for austin fc i think that just allows him to be more prepared more ready and you know have more experience i think that's important i think you don't want that player to just like rest out for seven eight months not playing anything and just doing training that doesn't really work out. It's better to get that kind of performance and consistency playing on the pitch for what I need, even if it is at a local level. Um, that's, yeah, that's, still that's still something. Something that Claudio mentioned as well is that it's, it's a benefit that he's going to get to stay with the club that he's already at and play in the meantime, as opposed to having to go on loan to some other team and, and try to try to fit in with this new team on a temporary basis before coming here. So we'll get to stay somewhere where he's comfortable with the team he already knows, and we'll get to kind of build up to, to his move here in, in a comfortable environment. Exactly. All right. Well, I think that's, that's all we have for you. Thank you so much for joining us today, Roberto. We really appreciate it. No, thank you guys. Really appreciate it. And like I said, you know, I think this is a, a good move. Um, I think a lot of people in Paraguay are very happy for someone like, Rodney to to make this jump and let's hope that uh, he will succeed in over there in in Austin and and I, I'm pretty confident in him I think he definitely makes that right move I think he was he was always tempted to make a move abroad to um to any big league regardless if it was MLS or or anywhere I think um, a lot of people over there are, and you know speaking to people over there in Paraguay who follow the team or follow just Rodney in general. They are, they're very happy for him. And I think he could really do something very special over there at Austin. There's a lot of people here in central Texas, hoping he does well, does well too. So yeah, there's a lot of people pulling for him. So again, thanks a lot, Roberto. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hey guys, this is Landon and Jeremiah jumping in with a quick message. We just wanted to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe this show wherever you get your podcasts. We also want to remind you to visit CapitalCitySoccer.com to get your latest Austin FC news. All right, we like to participate in the discussions on social media and also get ideas for the show. So please check out the Reddit Austin FC page, uh, the official Austin FC fan group on Facebook. And we're also both very active on Twitter. Uh, I'm Jay Bentley ATX. I'm El Viajero 87, so y'all come talk some soccer with us. All right, we want to thank Roberto again for joining us today. Uh, he's he's going to be on a few different podcasts coming out this week, so you can uh, 
Check him out talking to Chris Bills on Austin Soccer Pod. And then also to Jorge Chavez on the uh, El Himno podcast coming up soon. So um, you'll get a lot of Roberto this week and maybe we'll talk to him again in the future as well. But um, let's talk a little bit about just kind of the general fan reaction to this signing, Jeremiah. What is what are, what are you hearing out on the streets? What are you seeing on Twitter? On the tweets, on the streets and the tweets. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean, there are two. There's basically two opinions. You know, one is people are not are completely underwhelmed by this um, because it's the first signing, which I think is something we could probably talk a little bit more about, about the importance of that. Um, and then the other group of the other, other group of folks kind of understand this is one of, you know, 23 players or whatever that they're going to use to build a roster. And given some of the um, sort of way MLS rosters are built, like there's a real, there's a real opportunity. Claudio, you know, he, he was really cagey. Like Claudio did not talk about, he would not confirm the $2.75 million amount um, that everybody else reported. And then he didn't talk about kind of slotting him in. But if you think about him as like a possible young DP, which is a new thing, which we I think we've talked about before and I still don't really understand. But like that's a really exciting opportunity to put somebody that's that has had, you know, 70 professional matches um, and looked good in international competition to slot into that. So I think if you look at it as one player in a, entire roster like i'm i'm really excited by that um but i think a lot of people were expecting this like splashy signing is the first signing um and that didn't come to pass i don't know what was your what did you sort of see or read about it today yeah i think there's a lot of people i mean it's the first player and so people there's a lot of people who are going to be excited no matter what i think i'm one of those people like just the fact that austin fc has a player is really exciting because a lot of us have been really invested in this for years now and without a soccer player actually on the team. And so I think for that reason, there's going to be a lot of people really excited about it. That being said, it's not a huge name. It's not this big proven name. Um, so I, there's a lot of people really excited about it. And I think maybe excited without really knowing much about who he is or what kind of player he is or how good he is. And then other people who were underwhelmed, um, I would say to both of those camps, like, just chill. Like, it's going to be fine. Uh, I think Chris Bills shared a tweet um, or posted a tweet with uh, – he, he did some some research into the first player signed by MLS expansion team since 2015. And he put out that list of who all they were. And it kind of puts it into, into perspective showing that that first signing – it doesn't really matter. So uh, I'll just read them out. New York City FC signs David Villa um, from Atletico Madrid. That's a big name. Orlando City signs Kaká. Big name. Atlanta United, the highly esteemed, highly successful Atlanta United. Their first signing was a goalkeeper, Alexander Tambakis from Panathinaikos, who was then loaned to Charleston Battery and played one game in MLS. And so that was Atlanta's first signing. Uh, it goes on. There's the rest of the list is essentially, I mean, the biggest name on the rest of the list is Fernando Adi. Uh, if that tells you anything, most of these guys didn't really didn't play or played very little in MLS. So um, I think a lot of it has to do with just timing, right? Like they said, they started talking to Redis in February. And so, the contract negotiations, whatever it is, timing works out that he's the first one that got done. So he's the first player. 
I don't think it was a situation where Austin FC said, this is the guy we're going to build the team around. This is him. So he's going to be the first player. No, it's, it's about timing. They're probably talking to, to five to 10 to 15 other players right now. Yeah. And it's weird. They've got, they've got this like two day window right now or three day, um, uh, like signing window that's sort of extra. So they had to have somebody that fit in a very specific profile that could do that. And then also somebody that was going to play for the rest of the year. So, you know, it makes sense that, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's like an issue of like talent and convenience and opportunity and maybe not maybe reading any more into that is like more than, than people should think about it. Yeah. I, I think the overall, I, I see it as a positive. It's, it's a young player with a lot of upside. Um, Claudio mentioned that he used uh, Almiron as kind of an example of what uh, Atlanta did. So Almiron went from Paraguay to Argentina to here and essentially what they're trying to do is skip that step. They're trying to find that player before they go to Argentina and get them for half the price of what you would pay for the guy in Argentina. And ins- instead of selling them for double the price, selling them for quadruple the price after the fact. And so that's the kind of player this is. Maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't. But the the alternative to this is like a 28-year-old USL player or something. And so it's not that. And... I'm happy about that part of it. Uh, it. There's at least some some intrigue here, something to be excited about, as opposed to this is a person who will definitely just be a squad player and isn't really going to start. Like it's not that this this guy has a a chance to, if not the first season, the second season, to be a, a really important player to the team. So I think for that reason, it's exciting. But at the same time, it's this is not necessarily our marquee signing. Yeah, one thing that we haven't talked about yet um, is the guy was born in 2000. Like, how how does that, like, I feel very old. I mean, I did yeah. before, but, like, that's wild. He turned 20 our, in February. Yeah, that, that, that that's our first player. That's that's crazy. The other thing I, I on that Bills list, you know, is the uh, David V and Kakar. Like, that was, a, what, six years ago now? I mean, it was a long time ago. I feel like the way that people have signed players and constructed rosters successfully, right, has changed a lot since then. So it's another reason why I don't, I don't think people should have expected a huge name to be the first name out of the box that we signed. Yeah, it's the league has changed that way. When when did uh when did Steven Gerrard come? What year was that? Oh, uh it would be it was in between here, I think, right? It was it was the Galaxy and like it was post David Villa though, yeah. right? Yeah, it was supposed to be a 15 16. I don't remember which one it was. Yes, yeah, cuz Gerrard and um what's his name? Uh, the guy, the guy Pirlo? with the hair Italian guy, Pirlo. Yeah, they were the same year. Okay. Yeah. I feel like they were the last, uh, the last like full on retirement league MLS guys. And I think teams started to see like, okay, this isn't working. Like these guys can't just come over here and hang out and still actually do well in the league. And so, yeah, the, the league is changing. And I think Rodney Reddes is another sign of that. All right. I think we've, we've, covered enough for today we're going to be back in uh a week for this this is going to come out on a tuesday we're going to be back next tuesday with a new episode because this was kind of a special episode we're going to have uh soccer writer phil west on the show we're going to talk about the mls's back tournament it will have started by then hopefully <laughs> it will have started by then if everything stays on track but um things aren't great right now so we'll have a lot more news about that going forward we're also going to talk a little bit about uh supporters groups in mls and kind of some new new things that are going on with supporters groups here in austin so 
Uh, Phil is actually uh, somewhat of a historian on that kind of thing in in American soccer. So it'll be really inter- interesting to hear uh, hear what he has to say about that. But we'll be back in one week with another episode. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. We'll